Hi, friend. I don't know what brought you to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, but if I had to guess, it was probably your own pain story. In fact, maybe you recently found us in the work that we do because you're going through some kind of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. Uh, maybe you've recently gotten the phone call with the unexpected diagnosis, or you've lost a loved one, or you found out about your spouse's sexual betrayal. Maybe your grief is extremely fresh, and right now you're wondering, well, what, what do I even do? How do I move forward? What, what am I supposed to do right now? Listen, I, I've been there. And we know how the early days after loss or receiving the diagnosis or getting that unexpected news or learning about a betrayal or whatever it is you're facing, we know that life in those moments can be extremely disorienting and, and difficult. It's hard to think about anything but how to survive from minute to minute in this, uh, you know, I almost hate this term, but in this new normal. We want to help you as you enter into life, uh, that especially when it takes this different direction than what you've ever imagined. Now, we have a course called Pain to Purpose course, and we know that it's so helpful for those who have had a, a handful of months to already process their pain, but we knew we needed something for those who have just found themselves in the middle of it, like their lives have just flipped upside down. And, and so we've created this new four-session mini course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. Now, in this course, you'll hear from me as well as our Nothing Is Wasted podcast co-host, Aubrey Sampson, and our community director, Amy Sylvester. And we're going to be talking about practical ways to support yourself during this season. We'll talk about how to lament and, and what you need in order to take the first steps forward after your life is forever changed. Now, the sessions are intentionally concise because when you're processing trauma or grief, it can be very difficult to engage with a whole lot of information. But within these sessions, you'll get the encouragement to know you're not alone in, in what you're feeling, as well as some practical next steps on what to do in the aftermath of your pain. This isn't some theoretical idea on how to deal with what you're going through. It's real tried and true wisdom from others who have been where you are and have gone through cataclysmic shifts in their lives. I wish I would have had this kind of practical wisdom in the beginning of my own pain to purpose journey, but I'm so excited that we get to share this resource with you. It's the exact resources that I needed. And so in order to access this, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash everything changes. And you can purchase this course or better yet, you can join community plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, And you can access this in addition to all of our other resources behind our content library immediately. Look, I'm so sorry for the pain that you're walking through. And I want to encourage you that you can walk through this with hope and life. It can have hope again, even when everything changes. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and joining me again as a guest host, Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha, so great to have you. Ah, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, this conversation is really amazing. It's uh, with Lily Meshke. She is, um, let me get her. Okay, she's the Director of Partner Relations for Iran Alive Ministries. 
And this ministry is incredible because what they do is they satellite TV broadcast Christian programming to um, population in Iran and the Middle East. And they have a potential audience of 130 million, but they're able to uh, get these satellite television programming into homes in a in an environment where it's, I mean, it is in many cases very dangerous to bring the gospel to these countries, but they do this um, and they have about 6 million week, or I'm sorry, daily viewers, 20 million weekly viewers. And there is a real thing that God is doing right now um, in the lives and the and the families of these Iranians. Um, what she does mostly is she'll speak on the corrupt practices of arranged marriages of young women and older men in the Middle East. And, and she talks about some of their, you know, the norms of their society. And then they, they really do a lot to try to meet people where they're at in that culture and then bring the gospel to them. And so this conversation is very enlightening because Lily's got some of her own story. That's the reason she's very passionate about this, where she was tangled up in this. And um, so she is probably the best person I can think of to contextualize the gospel for um, an Iranian population. It's really insightful, very incredible. What a great opportunity to hear from someone who has actually been through it. And I think, yeah. you know, sometimes we read about it and it doesn't feel as real, but yeah. talking to somebody who's been able to expose all of this and has met Jesus in the midst of it. Um, That's right. Is beautiful. Because I think a lot of people who would have been under that abuse would just be so against anything to do with God and religion and just sort of um, walking away from that. And yet, she has passionate about Jesus and how he yeah. is actually the one who delivers us. That's right. That's right. I uh, kind of alluded to the fact that we are talking about doing some partnership stuff with Iran Alive Ministries and on the last episode. And so I want to share this with you guys because there may be an opportunity for someone or multiple people here who are listening to help out with this. We are in conversations, preliminary conversations with Iran Alive Ministries and with Lily about translating the pain to purpose course into Farsi. And so that would mean broadcasting it into Iran and being able to help these, especially women and children who are undergoing this kind of trauma to um, not just heal from it, untangle it, but also begin to um, help others out of it as they're learning what it means to follow after Jesus. And so this is a really exciting opportunity. It's been kind of new for us, Vanita, that we've started to have some opportunities to translate our content into other languages. And many people, you guys are asking, how can we support the ministry of nothing is wasted? This is a very real way that you can support the ministry of nothing is wasted. There may be someone who's listening to this and they're like, Hey, I want to support financially. What kind of, I just had a conversation the other day. What kind of projects are you doing right now? And I told them, Hey, here's some things that we're doing. These are some things that we are looking for people to partner with us in financially. And so if you feel led, if you're like, hey, this really ministered to me and I'd love to help in that way, um, you can give online. You can also email us and get more information on that. Hello at nothingiswastedministries.com. We'd be glad to give you more information on that and how we're doing all this. But we do feel like it's something God is calling us to do. So we're moving in that direction and trusting that God's going to provide in that. And so I'm excited to get this content into more and more, distribute into more and more different you know, other languages, other places all over the world. We're doing that with Farsi. We're also doing it in French, German, Spanish. Spanish is the first one that we're trying to go after because it's such a huge need, especially here in the States. Um, so we're excited about that. 
Oh yeah, what a what a great opportunity, especially I'm just thinking Farsi and a lot of the people who've lived under oppression yep. maybe saying, How's God gonna use this? And and what a great opportunity to yeah. to have this course translated. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Uh, if you want to know how to get started, if anything that this conversation prompts something in you, you're like, man, I really need to get started on my own healing journey. We'd love to invite you to a Zoom call that I do uh, usually every other week. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story. It is the first step, I believe, for anybody who's new to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, new to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. So nothingiswasted.com slash start here is where you can sign up, register for the next one of those. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Um, Vanitha, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Lily Meshke. You guys are going to really enjoy this. Well, Lily, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, your story is remarkable. It's, it's extremely unique. We've not had a conversation with somebody who has a story quite like yours. And I'm... Um, I'm really excited, one, to hear more about it myself personally, but also for our community to hear more about this and then what God is doing in your life to turn the pain that you've experienced around into purpose. And so before we really get into your story, would you just tell us a little bit about what you do right now? And then we'll dive back into how how this journey began and, and what led you to it. Absolutely. Um, so I work, um, I basically serve at Iran Alive Ministries, um, where we broadcast 24-7 evangelistic um, programming, discipleship program um, through the broadcast TV, uh, through the satellite TV in Iran, and also in uh, other regions in the Middle East that are significantly Farsi speaking. Um, mm. um, so I'm the director of partner relations and Really, um, that's just, you know, something that they gave me as a title, but really I work, um, you know, with um, Dr. Shariat, the founder of the ministry, to really strategize, to really um, seeing how we can um, optimize and maximize the the impact that the uh, that the satellite TV has to uh, reach more Iranians, to make the message of gospel more clear, how to minister to more people, different caliber of people, women abused women, um, speaking on inequality, injustice, how to raise kids and things like that. Just just um, diversifying wow. the programming. Wow, wow. It's remarkable what you do. And, and I have not heard a whole lot about it. I feel like a f several months ago, I heard just a little bit about the work that you guys are doing. I was um, familiarized with it through a conversation that I had. And, you know, this work that you're a part of right now, just like so many of the stories that we have here on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, it's come through your own experience and God's using your own deep hurt that you've experienced in your story and in your past to fuel this passion that you have for helping people in the Iran communities. And so I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that. Where, where does this all begin for you? Sure. Um, it really all began when I was 16 and um, I really had a great life in Iran. Me and my two sisters, my mom and dad, we were just a very close-knit um, family. We were just um, um, what you would consider an elite family in Iran, um, lived in a beautiful home. Dad was an owner of a 
clothing factory that was growing. He was also doing some real estate. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was just, it was great as we knew it. And um, all of a sudden, almost overnight, my dad uh, went bankrupt every um, through some, you know, chains of different business decisions that he had made. And it just went all away. And wow. I'm, as I speak about it today, I'm saying this was a perfect storm that hit us because um, honestly, if it wasn't because of that, my entire family could not come to faith and um, wow. be be really uh, serving the Lord. Um, and, you know, my dad came to faith very quickly after I came to faith, my mom right after him, and my sisters and all that. And it, the, it, the most interesting thing, Davey, is that um, they all have their own separate stories as to how the Lord reached to them, how the Lord actually touched their hearts. But going back to my story, Life was good as we knew it in Iran. And um, overnight, my mom said, hey, we're going to Germany. And we were like, yay, we're vacationing to Germany. She was like, no, this is like moving to Germany. We're migrating to Germany. And we're like, what do you mean, mom? She was like, we have to leave. Um, And so my two sisters and my younger sister, my mom and I moved to Germany and life changed very quickly for us. As as teenagers, I was 16. My younger sister was 14. Um, we, we were away from my dad. My dad stayed in Iran. My older sister <coughs> stayed in Iran. And um, we moved in with my cousin who had three small children herself, her husband, into a two-bedroom apartment um, with the, you know, with the three of us there, eight people in a small apartment. And we wow. were just, we, we didn't even have a corner to go to and just cry because I mean, it was wow. just, we, we were all crowded in there and not to mention, so the lifestyle changed. Then we, um, uh, we were thrown into German schools. Like, um, everyone mm. spoke in German and we were teenagers, as you know, Teenagers already go through the whole insecurity of low self-esteem and, you know, right. low self-image and all that, let alone having a heavy accent, not knowing the language really well. Mm. And we were just thrown into it. It was a really, really drastic culture shock for both me and my younger yeah. sister, wow. um, trying to fit in and the whole inferiority complex really hit us mm. hard. Um After about living there for two years, um, my mom ended up uh, moving back to Iran because she couldn't get her immigration status right Mm -hmm. in Germany. So she had to go back to Iran. My dad had moved to the U.S. in pursuit of a new business venture. And my Mm -hmm. uncle, who had been here in the U.S. in Austin, Texas, for for about over 30 years or so, right after the revolution, the Islamic revolution in Iran, uh, he had moved to the U.S., and um, he, my dad just was exploring to see, hey, what's what's next for him? As you can imagine, he was in his um, mid-50s, and he was mm. going to really um, start from ground zero. 
It was wow. very difficult in a foreign country where he doesn't, he didn't know the ins and outs of it. He didn't, he didn't know the ropes. He didn't know anything about it. But, you know, culturally, he was very unfamiliar yeah. with it. And he was away from his family. He wanted to reunite all of us again. He didn't know what to do. Anyways, we were just, you know, it became our life pursuit to just be together again. You know, my mm. mom was in Iran. We were in Germany. My dad was in the U.S., you know, scattered abroad. We were, we just didn't know how to, how to bring our family back together again. Um, we were pretty much adapted in Germany at this point, two years, two and a half years later, knew the language. We were going to school. We thought, okay, well, this is a new life, you know? Yeah. And my dad contacted me one time and um, he said, Lily, um, I am opening up a restaurant business here and I'm pretty excited to be able to, um, you know, start something fresh and bring our family together and all that. And the guy that's helping me with um, this franchise, he's also Iranian. Um, he is a phenomenal guy. He has been very helpful in the process of it. And as I was looking at y'all's pictures, he showed interest in getting to know you for marriage. Hmm. And at this point, I was 18. Um, and growing up, really, um, my dad was my hero, and I always looked up to him. Um, he was very well regarded in the community, in our family, and just, he was my hero. He was my right. all in all, and I was like, okay, dad, I mean, if you are putting the stamp of approval on this guy for me to talk to him for marriage, mm. um, I trust that you you have, you know, sound judgment and you would not right. put me up to anything that's going to harm me. So he sort of arranged for us to um, start speaking on the phone. Little did I know he was 14 years older than me. Mm. And he, the, the moment we started speaking, um, his uh, controlling... Um, you know, spirit just came through jealousy, insecurity, all that. Right. Um, so six months later, we started talking. Six months later, I moved um, from Germany to the U.S. Mm. Um, my dad and um, and his business partner um, that I was speaking with came to the airport, picked me up. It just, from the moment I got to the airport, everything became dark. Mm. It just... Uh, you know, he acted as if we were already married. He was just always there with me, following me, going to places. And, you know, just, I felt like, oh my gosh, I am, I feel like I'm trapped. You know, I mm. just, I just couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere. And, and um, there was just, I feel like I was almost forced into this marriage you know, I was mm. arranged for me to begin with by someone that I trusted um, very much. And and um, I felt as though the, the business that was going to be our only hope to bring our family was at stake with him. Yeah. Um, my mom was waiting in Iran. She could not get a visa to come to the U.S. So the only 
way lawyers had advised us was if Lily is getting married, just have her get married as soon as possible so you can send her, send my mom an invitation to our wedding mm. so that she could get a visa. And so I was like, okay, I, in the midst of it, um, while my dad was very broken, I was very vulnerable. Mm. My sisters and my mom away from us and all that. I was also sexually exploited by him. And I, mm. to top that off, um, I was like, I, I mean, I'm trapped in this thing because the business, my mom, I'm, you know, I'm exploited here and I just, I have to go with it. I have to go with the flow of this, whatever has been said before me. Mm. And it was a very, very um, dark place, Davey. I have to say, yeah. it was just, I felt responsible at age 18. I felt like there was a lot on my shoulders that I, mm. that everyone kind of was waiting for me to make things happen. And I was, wow. um, the relationship was very toxic. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just was forced by circumstances um, to, to go on with it. And um, long story short, my mom came to the US, my two sisters joined us, my dad got his business, I got married and um, very quickly, um, this marriage turned abusive to the nth mm. degree. I mean, emotionally, mentally, gosh, verbally, and sometimes even physically. Mm. Uh, I mean, it was a struggle every single day for me. I would wake up um, purposeless. I mean, mm. I was just a dead person wandering around, not knowing what I was good for. I mean, yeah. I was an honor student um, when I was in, in school. I um, was always, you know, um, admired for how how well I did in school and all that. And now I was going to, to college to continue my education and all that. But as soon as I would get home, he would go through my phone to see who I've been in touch with, whether or not I made friends with anyone in school. Sometimes I would just look in the rear view, view mirror and see him follow me to school and oh peeking goodness. through the window of the, of the classroom to see who oh. I was sitting next to. It was just very bad. It was, um, I yeah. mean, some of the abuses, um, so, so I know I don't want to confuse your audience and I don't want to, you know, make my issues sound so much worse than it was. But right after I got married, three months into it, my dad and my uncle um, decided to sue my, at the time, husband because they got into business arguments. Oh, so gosh. to top that off, I mean, like wow. I'm already in a very toxic marriage that, right. I, that they arranged for me. Now there's a lawsuit in between. And for the longest time, we were trying to bring our family together 
Now that we're together, the lawyers are advising me not to go near my parents' house, not to speak with them because any word they say or you say, it's conflict of interest or whatnot. And so now I can't even see my parents. And so um, really depression hit me hard. And um, I was, I was, I can tell you, I was at the lowest point of my life at that Mm. point. And this was in 2001. Um, My mom contacted me one day and this is where the story changes. I don't know if you have any questions Mm. about, you know, before I came to Christ, before I get into, um, you know, talking about after I came to Christ or anything like that. No, I don't necessarily have any questions. I just want to say what a terrible situation that you were put in. I mean, just uh, awful, you yes. know, uh, not only not only an impossible situation, as you were saying, feeling like you've got the weight of your family's um, future and livelihood on your shoulders. And now you are wedged into having to comply with this arrangement that they have made for you. But also, you know, yes, that would feel impossible for any 18 year old who's in that situation, but also just a terrible one that you were really stripped of your dignity and your freedom. Um, And I think, uh, well, maybe, maybe this is a question that I would have. How consistent is this and systemic is this in the Iranian culture? Um, You know, was this something that, okay, tell me, maybe tell me a little bit about that. And then I'd love to hear the turn of, because I know that's a, a lot of the work that you do is to sh- shed some light on yes. that. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you asked that, Davey, because um, when I was in the midst of the situation, I didn't think anything of it because it is mm. so um, prevalent um, in the yeah. culture that I grew up in um, for young girls marrying older guys and um, arranged marriages is very, very um uh, prevalent in Iran, and um, it's almost like an every. It's a way of life in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, we had seen child marriages, um, you know, temporary marriages in Iran, and wow. so it's very much ingrained in the culture. And I'm yeah. very vocal about the dispositions of the cultural issues that are in the Middle East and specifically in Iran that I grew up in. Um, and I speak, I, I, you know, boldly speak against them. And I have yeah. no fear because somebody needs to shed light on the the cultural issues that stem from the Islamic system. Mm. Um, and so a lot of it has, is spiritual and it's been ingrained. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it was, like I said, right now, I, in retrospect, I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, this is the very definition of an arranged marriage. What was my dad thinking? Why did he do that? And, um, you know, why was there no guidance from my parents to help me with this? Did they not see the red flags with this guy? Did they not see Mm -hmm. how abusive he is? Or uh, so, but I mean, like I said, it's just very, very much cultural. And so yeah. for for the people in the West, they may hear it and be like, oh my gosh, I mean, this family was very corrupt. But my mom and dad were also a victim of the exact same culture. They grew up in that system also. Mm. And so yeah. when my dad um, came to faith, he was like, oh my gosh, I did not realize what I was doing. So he actually apologized wow. to me. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. So I bet that. I mean, I bet that was very healing and repairing for you. You know, albeit you can't go back and, and change that to have him address that and say, "Hey, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry." Um, yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear kind of that. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead, Lily. I don't want to interrupt you. No, um, that's perfect. Um, when my dad apologized, it was like we were many, many years in our faith. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm totally over that. Mm. Like, I've already forgiven you. Um, wow. The life that I have in Christ today, I would not trade it with anything in this world. I mm. mean, so, so long story short, um, my mom invited me over to, to her house. Uh, one night, and this was at the time that I was um, restricted from going to see my my mom and dad. There was no restraining mm-hmm. order or anything like that. I was just advised not to go see them. And um, Ad- advised by whom? The lawyers what? of my. Oh, ex. the lawyers. Okay. Yes. Okay. He, gotcha. Um, he, they had said anything you um, tell your parents because they're the uh, petitioner, um, and mm-hmm. you know. Anything you tell them, it's it's considered conflict of interest. So you need to not wow. see them. So, um, I my mom said my mom invited me over to their house, um, knowing that I wasn't supposed to go and and see them. I was like, Mom, no, I I can't really come see you. She was like. I have some friends over and they insisted on seeing you. I, I mm. just need you to come over. And she just was having a meltdown and she couldn't believe, you know, where we got. I mean, she she was like, for like the last two and a half, three years of our life, we had tried so hard to bring our family together. Now I can't see you. It's just, it was very absurd wow. to her. Wow. And so... Um, I, I finally I went I went to my mom and dad's um, house that night and the moment I walked in I sensed something so different I sensed um, a wave of joy and love that I had never experienced in my life mm. and this was when I was at the lowest point of my life I mean there was no mm. more hope for me left I was going through a very, very difficult, abusive marital relationship and couldn't see my mom and dad, didn't know what I was doing in life. And um, their friends just embraced me in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, they're not judging me. Um, They're Mm. not, they're accepting me the way I am. They're loving on me. So- So they, their friends basically had come prepared. I mean, prayedfully, like they, they came in to witness um, to us. They came in wow. to really share the gospel with us. They traveled from Oklahoma, brought Jesus film, of Jesus life story wow. for us, Bibles, all that. And so when I walked in uh, to my parents' house, they were watching Jesus film in their mm. living room. And I sat there and just watched it with them. Um, during the movie, the mother of the family turned to me and said, Lily, did you know that when you, when you come to faith, when you, tr- when you put your trust in Jesus, all your past will be gone and all things will become new? Wow. I mean, as as 
weak as I was, as vulnerable as I was right. at that moment, this was the very thing that the Holy Spirit used her to speak with me about. And right. not to mention about two weeks before this event, um, in my own faith, in the Islamic faith, I remember I looked up to heaven uh, one day when I was like um, doing some work in the kitchen. I was like, God, I know you're real. I mm. want you to show your real self to me. Wow. And I want to have a new beginning with you. I want to ha- start over. I want to have a do-over. Yeah. This is my life is almost looking like it's wasted. My mm. entire life is wasted. Um, my youth is wasted. Um, I, I just, I just wow. needed a do-over. And when, when this woman said, Lily, all things will become new. All your paths will be gone. I was like, oh my gosh, how did she know I prayed that prayer two weeks <laughs> prior to this? Wow. Like I was wow. like, oh my gosh, this is good. And so it was a seed that was sown in my heart when she said that. Then I continued the movie. I watched the movie. Movie was over, um, got up to leave. Um, The daughter of this woman sort of walked me out, um, you know, to the uh, the door. And as I was exiting, she was like, Lily, I just want to tell you that we know the struggles that that you have been going through. We know how difficult it's been for all of you since you moved from Iran. Um, And I just want you to know there's hope. Um, Mm. Is it okay uh, for me to share with you a passage from the word of God? And at this Mm. point, I'm so distrusting. At this point, I'm like, what else are these people plotting against me? Who else wants mm. to harm me? Why yeah. are they talking to me? Like I was at that point, like if I was hurt and harmed by my own immediate family, my by my own parents, everyone else is plotting yeah. something against me. So I'm not trusting her, but something told me, sit there and just let her share with you whatever it is that she wants to share with you. So I, mm. we basically sat right there by the door. She opened her Farsi Bible and she started reading to me from John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. The word was with God and the word was God. Was and John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among mm. us. Wow. So when she finished reading these two verses, I just, I'm uncontrollably at this point, tears are just rolling down my cheeks. I had an experience right then and there. I just knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was my Lord and Savior. Mm. Now I want you and your audience to know that I had no prior knowledge about Jesus up until this point. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Iran, in schools, we were taught that Jesus, among so many other prophets like Mohammed, Moses, and, you know, Daniel, everyone else was just a prophet. And he was one of the greatest prophets like Moses, Mm -hmm. who performed many, many miracles. 
So that's mm. the only thing that I knew about Jesus. We regarded yeah. him as a prophet in, in my Islamic faith. Mm. And so when I, when, when tears started rolling down my cheeks, I looked at this girl and I said, Jesus is my Lord and savior. She didn't mm. even ask me to say any of that. But there wow. was this knowing that the Holy Spirit revealed to me right then and there that wow. Jesus was my Lord and Savior prior to knowing any of the apologetics, His divinity, Him wow. being Son of God, Son of Man, none of that. I just knew. I just knew that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that Jesus was the way. Wow. And um, that's how I came to faith. Hey, pastors and church leaders, I wanted to take a minute and talk with you specifically about how Nothing Is Wasted can partner with you and your church in helping people navigate the valleys of pain and trauma. It doesn't take long for those in ministry to realize the incredible needs that stem from the difficulties people have walked through in their lives. In fact, it can become quite overwhelming to even begin to know how on a large scale to make your church a place where hurting people can not only find a place to belong, but also the healing they need. This is the heart behind the Nothing Is Wasted Pain to Purpose course. And, and we know from pastors and church leaders just like you that this course is bringing incredible hope and healing to those within churches across the country. Listen to Pastor Kenneth Wagner of United Church in Delaware share what a difference Pain to Purpose is making in his church's DNA. As a lead pastor, it has been one of the most rewarding things for me to watch people walk through pain to purpose and to be able to see that, that not only do we have a resource for them, but we've got uh, a place, an atmosphere, a community of, where people can come to and just work through their stuff. So if you're ready to equip your congregation with the tools it needs to heal and see the life-changing transformation from pain to purpose, not only for their own personal benefit, but so that they can better serve the church, the community, and beyond, let us help. To learn more, go to nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash churches and join churches all over the country that are bringing healing in a practical, biblical, trauma-informed way to those within their walls. Nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Well, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you, and there's a couple of things that strike me that are remarkable. One, coming to faith out of a, um, you know, there's so much, there's so much convolution in when it comes to the geopolitics of the Middle East, especially, mm -hmm. that gets folded into faith conversations, right? You know, again, um, we we just we just came back from Israel. It's my third time to be there. We lead trips there, and you know, there's so much uh, tension between Juda Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, mm -hmm. all right there in, mm -hmm. in the centerpiece, right, of, of all of this in Jerusalem. And we sit and listen to uh, our Israeli uh, Jewish guide who has one narrative about the mm. Israeli-Palestinian con uh, conflict. We listen to um, a Palestinian guide in Bethlehem who has another narrative about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I'm sitting here listening to you about, uh, you know, an Iranian perspective of who Jesus is. And so, first of all, I, I, I say all that to set up this, the fact that, that the Lord, the Holy Spirit drew you to faith, that you had this deep supernatural understanding mm -hmm. of that just is testament to the power, the supernatural power and providence 
of God and the personal work in people's life to be able to draw people out of whatever context, whatever geopolitical persuasion, whatever narrative that they have grown up hearing to draw them and to bring clarity of truth into their heart and into their life. And I think that's just remarkable. The other thing I think is remarkable as I listen to you, Lily, is there's also massive, not just cultural barriers, but language barriers as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of, and I, I want you to kind of get into this, the the journey that has been for you and your sanctification, but I'm, I'm listening to you quote scripture, John one, right? And several other instances of things that you're saying uh, to me in English that, you know, there's a huge, there's a, there's just a huge barrier to that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I don't know how long it's been since you've come to know Christ, but I'm seeing evidence of the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. coming through in a, in a language or a, a tongue that is not your own. Right? right. But there's just so much work. There's so much evidence of the work of God in your yes. life right now. And I think that's just such an incredible thing that I want to make sure that I underscore in this as we're watching. I want people, I want as people are listening to, to not just gloss over the fact Absolutely. Like, oh, I, you know, came from this Islamic background and now I came to know, like, this is a huge, huge conversion, so to speak. That is absolutely true. Yes. And then God rescuing you out of trauma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and doing, you know, so all of the layers of complexity here of your story is fascinating to me. I appreciate you underscoring um, that aspect of my story because Yes, you're right. I um, share my story quite often and hardly ever anyone actually talks about, okay, well, what was your sanctification like? How did you mm. how did you um, receive restoration and healing? Um, what was um, God's yeah. redemptive power like in your life? They just see yeah. this person who's just sharing, you know, her story about her past. But um, I, I do want to go back to what you mentioned about the um, the Holy Spirit um, mm. encounter that I had. Um, and also the, 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 I want to highlight the power of the word of God because mm. we don't really have to get crafty with sharing our faith at times. And I know Mm. I am so guilty of it myself because I'm more of an um, analytical person. Like when I want to go meet people that don't know Jesus, I need to, you know, if they're younger, I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I adopt this Gen Z's language to you? Uh, I've given up on that a long time ago. <laughs> My kids are coming home saying phrases that I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying right now. This just, no. <laughs> yes. yes, it's giving Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it's a whole different language. I'm like, it my really daughter is. is 15 and she, mm. to be able to speak to her, um, it's sometimes difficult and she makes fun of me. She mocks me like, mom, <laughs> it's not that way. It's this way. You're, you know, wow. but, but anyways, but I get so crafty with my language and verbiage. Like, what do I say that would just mm. have the most impact? What do, how do I touch them? How do I really show mm. them who Jesus is? How do I highlight that? And all this woman did to me was share the word of God with me. Mm. I mean, she did wow. not sit there telling me God was, um, you know, Jesus was divine. He was 
God in flesh appearing before mm. us. He was holy and he was, you know, doing everything he was supposed to do. He was our, um, you know, sacrificial um, atonement. None of that. The, mm. You know, none of that. He just yeah. said the word of God was from the beginning. He was with God. He was God. Mm. Then that word became flesh, dwelt among us. That's all she needed to tell me. And the Holy Spirit did the rest. So wow. my point in saying that is that let's just let's just use the word of God. The word wow. of God is alive and active. It penetrates penetrates through the soul right. and the marrow and all of that. Let's use right. that and the holy and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Because yeah. the Lord had already prepared my heart to hear him. And I, not to mention, if anybody is sincere to know God, God will show himself to, yeah, uh, to that person. Right. I mean, right. it's just that. Um, so just wanted to men mention that. And then wow. a lot of the sanctification process that you mentioned was um, really through um, connecting with Iran Alive Ministries. Um, mm. So when I came to faith was in 2002, early 2002. Mm -hmm. And that was the launch of Iran Alive Ministries broadcast. Now, okay. today, um, you know, we're broadcasting 24 seven. Uh, in 2002, they started with wow. um, purchasing um, one hour a week from a secular channel secular Farsi wow. channel to to really evangelize and disciple Iranians in our own ethnic language. I cannot tell you, yeah. I started going to church right after I came to faith. I, I went to an American church. It was a Bible-based church that they recommended for me to go to go to. And it was great. Oh my gosh, the worship was amazing. Um, it was like I had never experienced that before. Wow. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, but just hearing um, another pastor, another teacher speak in my own ethnic language when I had just come to faith mm. and wanted to grow spiritually was a phenomenal experience. Wow, wow. So mm. I didn't have satellite TV at my home. My parents did because again, they wanted to stay connected with Iranians local channel, Farsi-speaking yeah. satellite TV and all that. So every Saturday, I believe it was when they had their um, one-hour program, I would go to my parents, watch Dr. Shariat, the founder of um, the ministry's hmm. program, and then go home. So, wow. um, you know, fast forward, his program definitely helped us be connected with the ministry in um, in our discipleship and uh, sanctification process, then, you know, I ended up going to a Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, then when I wanted to move back from Tulsa, I didn't move back to um, where I lived before, which was San Antonio, Texas. I moved back to Dallas. Mm. And so um, Iran Alive Ministries had moved from California to Dallas, um, right around that time as well. So I started um, volunteering um, at, at the ministry, doing, um, doing a weekly youth show for Iranians, youth, um, just 
shedding, you know, biblical views on wow. what are some of the struggles that, you know, young generations are going through. I was much younger back then, of course, in 2012. <laughs> and so what, what does the Bible say about, you know, certain mm. things and all that? So I did that for a while. Hmm. Then, um, you know, um, I was very much grounded in the banking industry and investment and all that. Um, um, basically, when Dr. Sherrod reached out, reached out to me and said, hey, Lily, um, we are praying to fill this position at Iran Alive Ministries. And we don't know why we know that you have a great job and you're pretty established in what you do. Mm. But the Lord keeps on popping your name to me wow. and my wife. Wow. And we, we can't pray it away. Um, so we wanted, we just wanted to share it with you. So anyways, um, I, I, I almost took offense to it because like I could not imagine myself being in the ministry world. Wow. Like I was doing the youth program on a weekly basis. I was supporting the ministry, but I could not see myself as a full-time minister only because I, may I share this with you? Yeah. Because of all those cultural dispositions that I had yeah. experienced firsthand and I was hurt by my own people. Mm. I mean, my husband was Persian. My, mm. um, parents were Persian, the community that I was a part of, they were Persian. And so I just didn't want to have anything to do mm. with Persians. And so right. when he said, let's, let's serve the Lord together um, so that we can, we can share the gospel with Iranians, I was like, no. Wow. So yeah. that was when I realized, oh my gosh, I am healed in certain parts of me, but mm. there is still hatred and hurts in my yeah. heart that I still need healing for. Yeah. And so oh. um, that's when I started praying and that's when the Lord um, just downloaded into me the, the, the um, biblical history and the Persian history and how they mm. intersect together from mm -hmm. The you know from when the Cyrus the king Cyrus yeah, yeah I just thought about was that was the Persian mm -hmm. Persian Empire um, how, the, in the Persian Empire and how you mentioned about Israel the, yeah. you know Israel and Persians were so good together they were they yeah, had they were favorable there. relationship right. and so mm -hmm. um, they even Israelites even called. Um, Cyrus the king, the Messiah, mm. you know, the mm. the one that rescued them from right. the Babylonian the exile Babylonian. and all that. Mm. Anyways, so I it's did amazing. not. It's, it's amazing mm. that I didn't know, I didn't have any knowledge about that part of the history of the Bible mm. until I was praying and fasting whether I should join the ministry full time. And wow. the Lord just brought that, the Holy Spirit just led me to these passages in in the Word of God, wow. Esther. How Esther was an, was a Jew in yeah. Persia at that yeah. time because of the exile and all that. How she also was married to a Persian king. Mm. How she was instrumental in saving her own people. And so it was just like, okay, Lily, you can climb up the career ladder mm. for for as long as you want, but I called you for such a time as this. 
Wow. I chose wow. you for such a time as this, just like I called Esther then. Wow. And so it, the choice is yours. You know, you can serve me or you can continue on growing in your career. Wow. It was just, um, it was a, it was some wrestling with the Lord and, um, um, I ended up, I ended up choosing um, to to just join the ministry and start serving with Dr. Wow. Sherriot. And I, I'm just so thankful that the Lord just led me on this path to be able to serve Him, to be able to be His His hands and feet wherever He wants to to use me. Yeah, yeah, wow. I find it pretty fascinating that it seems like the Lord builds this as a pattern of a lot of our stories, mm. that especially if we've experienced some kind of um, harm or perpetration against, and there is a particular people group or person that represents those perpetrators, yes, those are often the very people that God calls us to rush back into and minister to. Mm, that's so good. And, and I think that, you know, I look at it, for me personally, my story has been influenced heavily by the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot you know, where they were missionaries in South America and Jim and his colleagues were, were murdered right there. And Elizabeth decides that he's going, she's going to go back in to this unreached people group that murdered her husband wow. and share the gospel with them. And, you know, I see that thread in my own story of sure. the impact that we're, you know, the ministry that we're doing with um, transitioning prison inmates and, you know, in inner city ministry and different mm. things that we're doing to rush back into the very people group or, and, or, uh, uh, people that, that would represent or look like the perpetrators of my wife's wow. murder. That's so and good. so it, it's just, a. I think it's an, I think that's something that God does. And mm. I, I say that not to say, Oh, that's just for you, Lily. And that's just for me. I think everybody watching and listening to this right now, if they have a story of perpetration and hurt, that I want to invite you to recognize wow. the same thing that Lily recognized, that as she has being invited to come in and minister to that very people group, you know, Lily, you, re you noticed that there was something inside of you that, that created a tension there, resistance mm -hmm. to that. Yes. And that was actually evidence of the fact that there was deeper healing that still needed to take place yes. in your heart. Yeah. And God was going to use you turning toward them, right? Yes. Toward the Iranians, toward the Persians to, um, to begin to untangle a lot of that trauma yes. that had, had beset itself in your heart. And I just Absolutely. think- Absolutely. I, I see that pattern so much with what God does That's in our so stories. Good. It doesn't surprise me that that was the wrestling that you had with him. Yes, 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 yes. And I love that you say that. Um, gosh, your perspective is amazing, how you bring light to certain areas of, of the story. Um, mm. As I was praying and wrestling with the Lord about, gosh, God, why are you asking me to you know, to go back to the very people that I got mm. hurt by the most, then it was like a movie screen in my mind. Um, I The Lord just brought back all the, um, all the ways that I was treated um, mm. by this man in my life and how I felt stumped upon and how I felt so little and, um, how abusive all of that was. And he wow. said, 
so many Iranian women, Lily, are going through the exact same abuse you went through. Mm. Mm. Are you going to leave them right. in that dark place? That's right. Or are you going to be a vessel in my hand to bring mm. hope to those people? So you know how in the Word of God we hear um, uh, Jesus was moved by compassion. Yeah. Like I felt, I felt yeah. at that point, I was filled with compassion for my mm. people right then and there. That was the healing mm. I needed. Like, Lord, I remember what you brought me out of. I remember wow. those dark days. And now I was so compassionate towards Iranian women and my people that wow. I, I was like, I'm going to leave everything you yourself helped me walk through because all that grace and mercy in my even career as a single mother, yeah. he brought it to me. And I'm I, now wow. I'm like, I'm going to say, okay, put, put this aside. Now I'm going to use all those skills that you have allowed me to learn to extend your your glory, wow. um, to, wow. to extend your kingdom. And so it was just a wow. hard decision, but he helped me through it all. Hey friend, I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. It's the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional. This devotional is a beautiful 42-day journey through life's valleys with biblically-based encouragement to help you or someone you love navigate the difficulties of life. Each week, you'll learn from the journey of a major character in Scripture and be able to reflect on how that impacts your own story and whatever you're facing. From Job to David, Ruth to Jesus himself, you'll see how God has taken the most dire of circumstances and brought healing and redemption from the ashes. This devotional makes a great gift for the person who is walking through a recent loss or trauma or who carries the wounds from pain in their past. It's something that you can keep on hand to give to someone who is experiencing any kind of pain point, and it's a great addition to your daily time with the Lord. For just $25, you can get one for yourself or gift it to a friend. For our Nothing Is Wasted podcast listeners, we want to offer you 20% off your entire order of the devotional, whether it's one or whether it's 20 using the coupon code PODCAST. Again, 20% off your entire order of devotionals using the coupon code PODCAST. Grab a copy today of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional at nothingiswasted.com slash devo, D-E-V-O, nothingiswasted.com slash devo. Be encouraged by it yourself or encourage someone else in their journey through life's valleys. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash devo. I heard a pastor say the other day, they, he was preaching on Joseph's life. Mm -hmm. And Joseph, you could look at Joseph's story and say, oh, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Mm -hmm. But at the end of Joseph's life, when he's standing there in front of his brothers and this dream, this God-given dream actually comes true in a very different form and fashion than what he initially thought it was going to. Right. When that's coming true, his brothers are bowing down to him. He offers this forgiveness and he says the statement, for God has sent me ahead of yes. you. So, so his perspective is not this perspective of like, oh, I was sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. It was no, God sent me. 
And I think that marks, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a market representation of healing. Yes. And that that's very aligned with what you're, you're sharing right there about your own story. It's like, okay, you could look at it and go, well, you know, I was, I, I, I was, um, taken advantage of and put into this, uh, this arranged marriage and I was, you know, stripped of dignity and I was, you could, and, and that's very true, right? All mm-hmm. of that stuff would be very true, but your language is like, no, God has sent me ahead yes. <laughs> to be for a time such as this. Yes. And he's using all of this experience right now that I've had all the hurt, all the wounding, and he is turning that around, redeeming yes. it and now fueling this wonderful work that we're doing with the Iranian people, specifically women who are in the same situation. That's right. That's right. And that's pain to purpose, Lily. That's exactly, Amen. that's amazing what God is doing in that. How, how do we, you know, how, how do we become, I, I, I think what I want to ask, I guess, is um, how do we get like more involved in that kind of, you know, the, we can hear this kind of stuff. We can hear, yeah, this is Lily's story and this is systemic to especially Iranian women. Like how, you know, but we're sitting over here on the other side of the globe going, okay, is there any part that I can play in this? Like what, what does this look like for me? Can you help us understand that a little bit? Absolutely. Thank you so much for, first off, your heart wanting to be more involved in in um, the work we're doing and the, and also hearing more about some of the, stories that we get from right from Iran, inside of Iran. And so <clears throat> the best thing is really, you know how the word of God says, where um, your, uh, um, your heart is where your treasure is. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's mm-hmm. that verse? Um, uh, your, yeah, your treasure is where your heart is. Yes, your treasure is where your heart is. So mm-hmm. when we start praying, um, for a certain people group. Um, when we start, um, you know, wanting God to move in a mighty way, it's like our heart goes with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. the very first thing to be more in the loop of things is like, Lord, you know, Iran wasn't on my radar, Iranian women you know, I, we see them protesting on the news all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, right now, this whole movement of women life freedom is happening in Iran. And so, yeah. um, you know, all, all of that, we see it. And so, Lord, we just want to pray that mm-hmm. whatever it is that they're going through, uh, through it, they would come to know you. So mm-hmm. start praying. I would, my very first recommendation is, Start praying for whatever certain group of people or nation that the Lord brings um, to you, um, bring brings your way or um, gets on your radar or whatnot. So that's one way. Uh, specifically with the work of Iran Alive Ministries, um, what I would recommend is to start receiving some of the testimonies that we we put out mm. there. Um, become an insider, um, like on the website on iranalive.org. There's a way to, um, um, you know, put in your name and email address, and we send out these testimonies. Hmm. I read it yourself, read them yourself, and also share them with others because they're they're so much for our encouraging. 
mm. encouragement. Um, they they have been a source of encouragement to myself on a daily basis because you know when you're even in the ministry in the trenches of things, you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know, um, I want I want to get encouraged. You know, we want right. to we want to get encouraged just like David right. was like, I need to. Um, um, David in in Psalm says, I encourage myself yeah, in the right. Lord and all that. So. Um, share the stories with others. Um, the reason it is encouraging is because when you hear how the Lord is working in certain region of the world mm. in such mighty way where Bible is banned, talk of Jesus, you know, right. you can't really speak. Um, you can't really share the gospel with anyone there, but Jesus is showing up in people's dreams and vision. Wow. He um, sends out some of some of the servants that are connected with our ministries out in the streets. Like this last one that we shared with uh, with others was about this woman that was also in a very abusive situation. Both same story as as mine. Both by um, all the male figures in her life, dad, then husband. Then she was just in a very dark place and she um, sees Jesus in her dream. She does not recognize who who this figure is, mm. you know, in all his glory. And then out in the street the next day, one of our servant leaders just approaches her at a bookstore and mm. she starts, um, she, she gives her a copy of the Bible in Farsi and she starts praying with her. And, and then she um, told her that, you know, I just had this dream and it's of the same thread of, of the same spirit that you're speaking to me about. Wow. So it just reminded me. So, and then she, wow. and then she, she ministered to her, gave her the Bible. She's now going through discipleship program and all that. She came to faith. Um, but the thing about it is that woman that met this other lady that had a dream of Jesus, in her in in her dream she said that i was praying that morning lord lead me where you want me to go today to share you with others wow. and in in a country where there's so much darkness yeah. uh, in a country where you, very easily carrying a bible if she's arrested she can be executed because wow. you know iran is the persecuted church and one of the persecuted yeah. churches and so um she didn't mind it but she was led to this woman by the spirit of the lord and was able to bring someone to faith so these are some wow. of the encouraging stories that that we hear on a daily basis um of the persecution that's happening in Iran and how boldly yeah. some of the believers are standing for Jesus. So just wow. become an insider, receive the emails, share it with others. Um, that's how you can get involved. Wow. It, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you guys have um, tapped into some kind of, and over the course of the last several years, uh, Iran Alive Ministries has been able to tap into some kind of uh, a method to be able to, um, override a lot of the persecution that's taken place, right? I mean, you're, you're, what I'm hearing you say is you can't really go in and just begin to, in a lot of ways, just share the gospel openly and freely in Iran. It's, a, it's the persecuted church. But through this broadcast, satellite broadcast ministry, you guys are able to do that. Why? Maybe help us understand why that's so critical. How you're able, how are you able to broadcast the gospel and, um, you know, discipleship programming into Iran 
And why is that so critical to the, the vision and the mission of Iran Alive Ministries? Absolutely. Um, so we, uh, we basically get into the privacy of people's homes through the signals and the waves in the sky, mm. in, in heaven. Wow. And so wow. they can't do anything with that, but um, they, they can't. What, um, it's so owning a satellite dish in Iran is illegal. Um, really? Wow. It is illegal. However, wow. over 60 million people have satellite dish and the government could, has not been able to overcome it. Wow. I mean, they do all these house raids to where they go to people's homes and take down the dishes. The next day, that same family puts it, puts it back up. So wow. that has been going on for quite some time. I think the government... Um, sort of gave in on that because I mean they they couldn't overcome the um, the desire of mm -hmm. people wanting to be connected to the outside world, mm -hmm. and so um, they do restrict internet. They do monitor internet. Um, mm -hmm. The the internet in Iran is very much monitored and extremely um, censored. I'm sure. Totally. Yes. Absolutely. And so um, they had tried to jam the signals. A few times, but then, mm. <laughs> but then there are better signals that we can switch to. So again, <laughs> they, they they have tried to stop the work of the Lord through the satellite TV as well, but they have not prevailed it yet, yeah. uh, and they will not prevail it in Jesus' name. And so yeah. that's the only avenue, the only windows window of opportunity we have to be able to share the gospel with the country of Iran. Wow. Wow. Man, Lily, I feel like I could sit here for the next two hours and ask you questions <laughs> about everything from, you know, your story, your healing journey, also the geopolitical climate in Iran. I mean, yes. so much that is just fascinating. And then the work that you guys are doing, it's just an incredible thing that you guys are um, endeavoring to do. It is, it's one of those impossible quote unquote missions that the Lord loves to get behind. Yes. And he gets all the credit for it, but, but he's Absolutely. using great, great stewards of this ministry, such as yourself and, thank you. um, and other folks that are doing this. And so thank you so much. I mean, is there anything else that you would like for us to, I don't want to cut this short, but uh, is there anything else you'd like for us to, to know about the ministry, about what God is doing in your life? Um, and then maybe down the road, we're going to have to have you come back on or something and tell us more because this yes. is just so much. I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface yes. of um, what's happening. There's so much more that I want to say um, about um, the ministry. I do want to say that uh, we're, um, and this is what Dr. Sherriot actually always talks about. We're not just saying, all, obviously the Lord is for all nations. He wants all people from all tongues, all nations to come to know him. Um, but we're standing behind a promise from the Lord um, yeah. that he will um, set his throne in Iran. And mm. um, that is according to Jeremiah 49, 38, Wow. That says, the Lord says, um, I will destroy the officials in that in Jeremiah 49, but at the end, I will restore the fortune in Elam and I will mm. set my throne in Elam. Elam wow. is basically part of Iran, um, modern day wow. Iran. And so 
we're just we're we're um just partnering with God on this. This is a promise Amazing. right outside out of the word of God and we're saying Lord, we know that the country has been gripped by the enemy for over 40 years now after the revolution of of um, the Islamic Republic. Um, but we know that in the midst of all these darkness, your brightness shines um, ever brightly. And, mm. and um, that, you know, he's just using us as a vessel to partner with him to bring his throne in Iran. Wow. The other thing I, I want to um, share with you and your audience is, yes, my story was dark. Um, yes, I felt betrayed by my own people. I felt taken advantage of, um, but we serve a faithful God that does mm. not let anything wow. go to waste. Wow. He uses every single experience that we have had as a seed and he redeems all of our pain. Today, yeah. I can tell you that I am married to the man of my dreams. Mm. Um, my daughter now has a father that she has never experienced in her life. Wow. And God truly redeemed my life. And the fact that I'm serving him every day to bring glory to his name and to share him with others Wow. That to me is priceless. Where he yeah. positioned me, where he brought me to where he wanted me to be through my experiences, through the mm -hmm. pains. I would have never been able to understand the abuse that that women are going through had I not gone through it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, everyone has a story and every yeah. story can change people's life. So, yeah. All of our pain is for a purpose if we submit right. it to the Lord and He's able to redeem every year, every moment of our life mm. that mm. that was wasted, that we thought was wasted. He's able that's to right. redeem it. So that's wow. all I wanted to say at the end. Wow, Lily, that's amazing. Truly remarkable. We're gonna make sure that we put a link to uh, Iran Alive Ministries right there on the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, right below. Um, and that way you can get connected even further into the work that they're doing and perhaps become an ambassador and and, and just support what they're doing. We would love to encourage everybody to do that. And um, Lily, is there anywhere else that we can tune in to? I mean, are you on socials or what? how can we follow along with you, with the ministry and and be able to dig in a little bit deeper with you guys. Absolutely. Um, Iran Alive Ministries is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, um, the, you know, the website is also another great source. There is also um, to get to receive updates. Um, if you're more tech savvy, you can text the word Iran to 85789. Mm -hmm. And um, we also send out testimonies through text messages. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lily, for spending time with us, sharing your story. And um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. So thank you. Thank you, Davey. I appreciate you inviting me on your show. And it was a pleasure to be here and sharing my story. Well, that was a great conversation with Lily yeah. Meshke and just kind of eye-opening what she has been through and what mm -hmm. happens in other countries that we really have no context for. I know. 
I know it really is. We, I mean, we, I find that we are very uh, geocentric, you know, mm-hmm. in our persuasion, our perspective of things, and so we tend to think that the whole world is like us. Um, and hopefully, many of you guys that you're listening to this, you're watching this, you've been exposed to so many other cultures and contexts that you realize that the whole world does not revolve around the United States of America, um, and that there are so many other cultures, so many other contexts, and the gospel is able to be pervasive in each one of those, mm-hmm. but it, the approach is going to be different for all of those things. And we don't need to, I think we've gotten it wrong in the church for centuries throughout history where we've tried to quote unquote colonize the gospel, you know, make it into a Western kind of, this is how we do things. That's less the gospel, more Hellenistic Greek, you know, imperialism. Yeah. <laughs> and so instead it's like, okay, well, how do we like meet people where they're at in their culture and build bridges from the things that their their kind of native intrinsic beliefs are, their belief systems are, their worldviews are. How do we build bridges to show them eternity is written on our heart, as scripture says? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, Davey, because I think often, you know, if you decide to be a lifelong missionary, you kind of immerse yourself in another culture, right. you learn all about it, you think, okay, I can reach this people group. But I think when we run into people in the U.S. that are from another culture, sometimes we think, oh, okay, we don't understand their culture totally. Mm. We we can't step in. We can't share the gospel. And that's a big barrier. Honestly, for me, if I see someone that I think is like decidedly Muslim or some other um, religion, I just feel like, ah, oh, they don't want to hear. I, I really can't talk to them about the gospel. That's sort of their culture. Recognizing that I'm forgetting to recognize that this is Jesus who saved, died to save the world. Like, right. why am I not um, leaning into this? They need Jesus. Right. And I think this conversation with Lily reminds me that we need to be doing that because how yep. are they going to hear if we don't? That's right. Share it? Every, every tribe and every tongue. I mean, this is yes. this is a global thing that God is doing and that he always has done throughout history. We're going to find that there are white Americans are going to be the minority in heaven. I believe (laughs) it's just like, that's just the reality. And you've got to understand it. Like God is doing so much in, in other countries. Um, so much. in I mean, we can rattle off several other countries in China and Iran, even right now, a lot, a lot in the middle East that God is doing really underground. And there's a, a massive surge of movement revival that's happening there. But we as believers here in the United States, we need to understand one, that we are not the center of any, we're not the point of all of this. We just play a part in it. Mm-hmm. And two, that he has given us, a, we, what we have is a, a mandate or a stewardship where we understand the gospel, those of us that do, and we're to take that gospel to the world. Yeah. And we have to do it in the right, the right way. And so being able to like, understand somebody first, where they're coming from first is what builds that bridge. Yeah. So that then you can know, okay, what what are the motivations, the fears, the things behind this person and, and as a person and how does the gospel speak to that? Yeah. How is he the great I am for this person? Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of it begins with prayer. Like, are we praying for so people much. that we bump into that are in our yeah. lives? Are we saying, God, give us an opportunity, like open our eyes? Because I think 
there's so many opportunities, but we don't open our eyes. We we aren't even attuned to that. And I think yeah. when we are, we'll see the need so much more clearly. Yeah, it's so true. I was sharing with somebody um, this past week about some of the stuff that God did while I was in college on our baseball team. I played baseball in college. And we were three Christians on a 35-man roster when I first got to this college. It was a Christian college. Hmm. But over the course of one semester, we saw 15 guys on our team come to know Christ. And um, now there were definitely conversations that we had to have. There were things that we had to take initiative on. There were like things that we had to like discern through all of that. I'm not saying it was out of like no effort. Uh, Most of what we see in revival is partnership where God invites us into it. But the start, the bleeding edge of it was God broke our heart. There were a couple of us that were believers. He broke our heart, gave us compassion for the guys who didn't know Christ. And that started through prayer. Mm-hmm. We felt so convicted. We were like, we just need to start praying for these guys by name. So we put rosters up all over our apartment. And every time we pass that roster, we just go through and we just pray, Lord, would you draw this person's heart? Would you just help, you know? And and what we saw was God doing something. It was like the wind at our back, Vanita. That's the only thing I can describe is like, it wasn't this like, oh, heart, because God was doing the work, right? He was planting the seed, watering it, growing it, right? We, and we just got to be a part of the harvest of it. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. And so you're, you're so right. We, we downplay immensely the power of prayer and what God can do in someone's heart through that. Yeah. I mean, in uh, people in our everyday life, like little example, I just felt like the Lord was calling me to pray for my massage therapist mm. who I see every week and had not talked to her much. And then um, mm. all of a sudden she opened up to me about something and I got to share <laughs> the gospel with her. We meet for coffee regularly. And it was just from praying. Like, That's amazing. I, I wouldn't have even thought about a conversation it's about amazing. the gospel with her. And so I think so much of it is being aware and being mm. sensitive and just, it starts with, give me an opportunity, Lord. And then our right. eyes are open. Right. And and God or works. I mean, it's more the importantly, like, yeah, let me see the opportunities that are already there. I think yes. that's what happens a lot. It's like, yes. God's like, I've been giving you tons of opportunities. Your <laughs> exactly. eyes just aren't open to those opportunities. Open my eyes, Lord, to those opportunities and and give me the courage to step into them. Yes. And trust you, you know, give me the sensitivity to that, to step into it. I think that's just such a such an important thing, especially when you find yourself on such polar extreme sides of the spectrum as, you know, someone like, you know, someone coming out of an Islam faith that yes. there is, you know, and and there's a lot of our prejudice can can get entangled into that. Our fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, you know, when you don't you don't know another culture, you don't understand another culture, you usually fill in the gap with a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And that colors the way that you interact with that person. But many of you guys, maybe you've had this experience. Once you get to know the people, you you're not afraid. You like you just have this huge heart and compassion. They become friends. It's like this is these are brothers and sisters. We had a we went on an Israel trip uh, a couple of months ago. Nothing is wasted Israel trip. So some of you guys who are listening to this, you were on that trip with us. You know that this was. But we had a um, Islamic bus driver, and then our guide was Jewish, and all of us are believers. And there was a real camaraderie and, and brotherhood and sisterhood that happened on that trip with our Jewish guide and with our. Islamic bus driver. And at the end, this is this Islamic bus driver, he was sitting around the circle on our like we do a going away thing. And and he he was like, I have never experienced a group like this. Normally I get really, you know, 
tired, exhausted, frustrated because groups are really demanding and they're really, you know, and they kind of treat me lesser than. And he said, but when I'm with you, this is what he said. He said, when I'm with you, I feel the power. I feel strength. I feel energy. And I was, I'm over there like, that's the Holy Spirit, right? But that's because our group was so kind to him and loving to him. And like, we didn't hold him at arm's length because he happened to be of a different worldview, of a different persuasion, of a different upbringing. Like, He's a brother. And and then also our group wasn't trying to force some kind of message down his throat. Like you should, you know, repent. Like that's, it was just like, hey man, we're, you're our brother. Let's, you know, let's hang out afterwards together. Let's just, and it was like, he felt the love of Jesus. Yeah. And you better believe his heart was so open to the gospel way more than it was before us. Yes. Yeah, it so, starts with loving people and meeting them and listening to them. I mean, you know, treating them like people because that's what God calls right. us to do. It's not because we're trying to necessarily win them to Christ like it's sort right. of a battle. It's more like God calls us to love people because we that's know right. Jesus. And and then when we have the opportunity to speak, it's, it's out of our love for them and not mm. our desire to just mm. sort of convert people without loving them. So good. Evangelism becomes pretty easy when you just lead with love. Yes. People can make it so complicated. Like, oh, do I, I got to get the right, okay, theology and that, yeah. okay, argument, okay, apologetics. All that stuff's important, but it's not preeminent. It's not the thing that, what really drives this is love. I mean, scripture tells us this. And yeah. I'm, a clanging, I'm a clanging symbol, right? Unless I have love. Like this is the most important thing is that I'm loving my neighbors, that I'm loving my enemies, that, and that's the heart of Jesus. Right. And then from there, the conversation almost becomes really easy because they're like, okay, there's trust here. There's time built. Like, talk to me about why, you know? Well, I love because he first loved me. Let me tell you about my story. Yeah. What he's I done mean, for me. That's perfect with <laughs> pain and purpose. You know, the whole ministry yeah. is about, do you know your story That's and right. how is God using your story of suffering or whatever it is, whatever story that is to, to purpose, like he's using it. And once right. you know that, that's a great way to enter into the conversation about the gospel. Sure. It's not like you enter in with this sort of set of verses, you enter in right. with your life because that's, that's so where true. people can relate. And then you share, you know, what has Jesus done, you know, through scripture, but I think you start with what has Jesus done in my life? That is so good. Wow. So good, Vanita. That's where you're going to find conversations that happen in the Uber car yes. with a massage therapist. Like you just tell them your story, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, we said this a couple of episodes ago, you referenced John nine and like, whose fault was this? And that's where it came back to. The guy was like, I don't know this Jesus guy. I'm not sure what, you know, who this is. All I know is I was blind, now I see. <laughs> he didn't have the answers to stuff. He just, hey, this is my story. Yeah. And and I think that's what we leave you with, guys, as you're watching this, you're listening to this. Like, just be willing and ready, you know, in season and out of season to be able to share your story and give reason for the hope that you profess, as scripture tells us, right? This is what evangelism is. And so we'd love to help you with that. I mean, one of the things that we do in that five steps to taking back your story is we talk about how to look at your story, how to tell your story, how to see God's story overlaid to your story because he's writing stories of redemption. He's writing a story of redemption in your life right now, whether you realize it or not. And I wanna walk you through that. Five steps to taking back your story. It's a free Zoom call. 
it is the first step, I believe, for anybody who's like, okay, I want to know more about Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. I want to get get more engaged with it. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got all kinds of content that's free. We've got our Community Plus platform where you can pay $20 a month and you can you know get all kinds of more content. We've got our coaching, we've got our community platform, but maybe you're like, I don't know where to start. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. I'd love for you to jump on an hour Zoom call with me. It's just a great time. I mean, we usually, we've got a dozen, couple dozen people on there at any given time. And we just, I mean, they, they ask questions and, you know, so you get an opportunity to do that. And the Lord just meets us in really powerful ways. It's so fun for me to be able to share with our community in that way, Vanitha. Just really fun. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. So nothingiswasted.com slash start here. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for all, providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream any of his music anywhere you can download and stream music. We want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davy Blackburn. You can follow Vanitha at Vanitha Reisner. Um, I believe Aubrey will be back with us next time. Vanitha, this has been such a great time to share with you. Thank you for stepping in. Wow, this has been wonderful. Just hearing people's stories is so life-giving, I think. When we get to hear how God has met people, there's nothing better than that. Well, you guys make sure you reach out to Vanitha on Instagram, send her a direct message or something, tell her how much you appreciate her. And uh, I don't think this is gonna be the last time that we hear from Vanitha. I'm excited to see what God has planned for the future. Vanitha, you're doing some incredible work. Where can we follow more uh, along with you and what you're doing? Um, well, I have a website, vanitha.com, which my children say is the most narcissistic website <laughs> name that you can find. But, like, you know, that's like Madonna or like, it's just a one one, one, name, one name. You know, there it is. Of, yeah, I'm vanitha.com. I, so I don't know any other Vanithas, so I think you can get away with that. I that's know, okay. I was pretty excited when I had that, you know, um, URL, but my kids, yeah, give me endless grief about it. Uh, so they answer the thorn, my cell It's a thorn in your side. It's okay. It's a thorn in your side. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I've written uh, some books and I just, I too write about how um, your suffering is not meaning, meaningless. Yeah. God is using it. So. Yeah. All the stuff that you put out, Manitha, is just incredible. We're so grateful just to have your voice added to um, what's going on here at Nothing Is Wasted. And uh, Vanitha taught, taught a masterclass for us. As you're listening to this a few weeks back, you can access that masterclass. It's a masterclass on helping other people who are hurting, which is so important. So if you're wondering, okay, I, I have people in my life who are hurting or maybe I'm in ministry and I've just always fumbled around in those space. I'm not sure how I have a heart for shepherding people. I just don't know how to. This is a great masterclass to tune into. You can access that at nothingiswaste.com slash community plus along with all of our masterclasses. And, um, and so Vanitha, next week, I'm gonna have a conversation with Strahan Coleman and it's going to be, uh, it's a really good conversation. Um, you guys are going to want to tune into that. Be sure if you like this to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you haven't checked this out on YouTube, come over to YouTube. Some people like to watch their podcast. That's fun. I don't know why, but it gives me enough motivation to like not wear a hat and actually do my hair, Vanitha, <laughs> because now I know people are watching our podcast. But it's really great to have you guys at YouTube or on any podcast platform. Make sure you like and subscribe where you're wherever you listen or watch your podcast. Next week, my conversation with uh, Strahan is going to be really great. And so go ahead and listen to this little clip with my conversation. We go from feeling that we're in control of our life and we, we don't really say that out loud. I don't think anyone would 
be brave enough to say that out loud. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm in control of everything that happens, but there is this deep sense of I'm working toward a life that I've given everything to build, that God has called me to, <laughs> that others recognize in me. Um, and that life is is good, it's beautiful, it's exciting. And then suddenly this sickness comes along and it just it just kills it. It just mm. steals it. Mm. And I think there's a sense of um, shock, you know, almost like trauma of of whoa, I, like I'm I'm losing everything that I've sown in my life. Yeah, there's the surprise of it, and there's this sort of existential: what do I do when when I'm feeling life so out of control all of a sudden? And and in that space, a lot of anxiety can come, you know. And I in those days, I was having like. Sometimes I was having panic attacks like a couple of times a day. Um, Mm -hmm. Part of the reality of um, your nervous system crashing or your immune system crashing is that um, your body actually sends messages to your mind that that something's wrong, panic panic messages. And so anxiety and depression are very powerful um, side effects of um, (laughs) immunity issues. Mm. So I was in sorrow. I was having panic attacks and I'm thinking, you know, amidst all of that, I'm failing as a husband, I'm failing as a father, I'm failing as as a, you know, Christian. I'm having this existential crisis of my life is out of control and I'm being faced with the question of what if I never get better? What if what if this is it? I'm having to live in the tension of what if this isn't just a nice testimony that I get to look back on? You know, what if this is actually just the reality of the rest of my life.